Thank you. Also, welcome. Are you here us and are you with us? Frank, we're waiting for you to oh, say you can hear us. I can hear you, Rick. You are breaking up. Oh, my apologies. Then I will speak louder and let's not break up. And Barb, but... Yes, I'm here. Okay, good. So with that, Barb, let's ask you to do our opening prayer to enter into our time together tonight. Thank you, Rick. This is a prayer that many of us will know from visiting the Casa in Brazil. Dear Mother, Father, God, we thank you for this amazing day of grace and blessings. We thank you for the insights you give us from our unwanted harvests. Although we don't desire them, we realize that they lead to our growth and bring us closer to you. We are grateful for the angels, saints, masters, guides, and entities all from the highest realm of love and light, who work with us, walk with us, guide us, and inspire us to learn from these painful events. We ask you to lead us to the insights that will most help us to do good through our thoughts, words, and deeds, so that we may be the uplifters of this world. May this teleservice be blessed and beautiful and lead the participants to joy and happiness. Thank you for sanctifying all who are on this call tonight. Amen. Amen, Barb. Thank you. Thank you. So, our time together. I want to go They asked me if I would lead this teleservice, and I've learned when he asks, you just say yes. And for those new to that's Padre Paul Funson, who's our spiritual shepherd and Bishop of Celebrating Life Ministries. So I said yes. And I'll come back to that in a little bit. And, and, and very quickly, in a nanosecond, I got the topic is the unwanted harvest revisited. You know, that harkens back to of COVID, Celebrating Life Ministries, again, abbreviated CLM for those who are new to us, was doing Zoom series each month. And I was asked, and the title was Harvest Blessings. And he did the first topic, bringing in the harvest. He asked me to do the second topic, which was the unexpected harvest. And our did the last one, which was multiplying the harvest. And that time when I did that Zoom series, what, what types of harvests. There's the serenity. Oh, really? Is that direction my life is taking? I shared at that time that Virginia Chapin Chef, who I've had the absolute pleasure and honor to have been partnered with, came into my life. And I went, really? We're going in that direction. And didn't expect it. It was not an easy connection. We were very, very different, and yet we both recognized this was a cosmically arranged relationship, and it was we did, and it eventually blossomed, and she brought to God. So when we say yes to the unexpected harvest, the serendipitous harvest version, our life may take new harvest is the unwanted that's what we're here to address hey Rick it's not just oh I'm sorry to interrupt you but you are breaking up yeah yeah you're you're breaking up apologies okay Okay. all right then that let me try this is this better now can you hear me now so far you're not breaking up okay good then I will do that. Okay, my apologies. We had it checked before and it was working okay. You let me know if there's any more breaking up. So I was talking about the unwanted harvest as the other version of the unexpected harvest. And I just got to tell you, when the Padre asks you to do one of these, you have to prepare to go into the washing machine. And Virginia and I, that was the term we used, because life brings you stuff. 
And the last time he asked me to do this was five years ago. And it was to do a teleservice on prayer. And it was a Tuesday night. And that Monday morning, I got a call that my 93-year-old father attempted suicide. That was eight months after his wife had died. And that was an unwanted harvest. And I will come back to that as a way to be with that. In October of 2020, when I was asked to do the unexpected harvest, and I went into the washing machine and was preparing, what almost nobody in our Celebrating Life Ministries community knows is that that's, that Zoom session I did was on a Wednesday. Two days before it, Monday, Virginia got the diagnosis of multiple myeloma that eventually took her life this past June. That, too, was very much an unwanted harvest. And now, after the Padre asked me if I would lead this service, days later, the dog that was most beloved to Virginia of our three dogs, Dolphin, although she loved them all, was diagnosed with And he passed away in my arms last Friday, three days ago. So tonight's session for me is very real and very raw. And it is also for those who are participating with me, Frank and Barb, when I was sort of thinking about who to ask to participate in this, I asked Padre for a list of members of our community who are having their own interests. And I got a nice list of people. Sorry, you're all going through this. And I started calling some of them. And one of them I spoke to was Karen Rippens. And I have her permission to share this. She has multiple sclerosis. And she has, at this point, been reduced. I wouldn't say reduced. Is now living in a wheelchair. And I asked, how are you doing? And she said, I'm happy. I'm as happy and at peace as I've ever been in my life. I said, thank you. That's the punchline for tonight's teleservice. But you're not the right person to join us for this because we need people who have struggled. Now, I know Karen has struggled. But for all of us, This is not an easy path to get to where Karen has gotten to. So I've asked Frank, Scaletta, and Barb Letourneau to join me because each of them has had their own unwanted harvests. And our goal tonight is that our journeys, individually and collectively, yes, in their rawness, will help everyone on the call with your own unwanted harvests. So with that, Frank, can I ask you to start and share with us your, some of, it's a subset, not all of them, but some of your unwanted harvests. Right. There are many. Thank you, Rick, and thank you, everyone out there. It's a privilege to be with you tonight. And I want to say that the first unwanted harvest that I am revisiting is my divorce after 23 years of marriage. The second is the onset of CMT, which is the abbreviation for Charcot-Marie Tooth Disease. This disease gradually affects one's balance, which makes it very easy to fall. Your feet and your hands also become numb and yet can be very painful. Before the first retreat I I attended, I had never read any books on religion, or spirituality. I knew nothing about Eastern religions. In 1996, I was still married, and my wife suggested I should see a healer named Ron Roth, who would be having a healing service soon. 
she had seen him before, and she thought that if I were to see him, that it would be easy for me to accept the divorce. Now, thinking back, I know the Holy Spirit was beginning to create a plan for me. Ron was going to be at the house of Dorothy Bauman, who actually was the very first person Ron ordained. After Ron's sermon, we were lined up for the laying on of hands. When Ron came to me, I fell down for the first time, and I heard this loud voice inside saying, I was to attend Ron's retreat at Starved Rock in April of 1997. The voice was so commanding, I knew I had to go. I arranged my schedule at work and did go. On the first day, the very first thing Ron said to us was, discipline leads to the light. These words so resonated with me that I decided I should begin a prayer life daily. When I went to bed that night, I began to pray. Suddenly, the first of several miracles in my life happened. As I lay in bed, above me I saw clouds, and it seemed as if the heavens were opening. And then Jesus began to speak to me. I love you. I will always love you. There is nothing you can do that ever will stop me from loving you. I will always forgive you. And he kept repeating, I love you. Afterwards, I felt as if my heart was bursting open and was filling up with his love and grace. I cried, feeling so blessed. In the morning, as the retreat continued, Ron prayed on us again. I now heard this loud voice telling me to ask Ron if I could be ordained. Ron had announced his plans to increase the size of his ordained community of ministers. By now, I recognized this voice to be that of the Holy Spirit. Ron said we should submit a paper about our life and experiences at the retreat. He would let us know who would be chosen after he meditated on the candidates. Ron called me in a week later and told me I was accepted into the program. In January of 1998, Pandora and I were divorced. I was devastated and so angry. Later in the same year, I was ordained. As Ron ordained me, I could feel the Holy Spirit filling my heart with unconditional love. I and, and Frank, can, can we just be clear that she wanted the divorce. It was not your choice to get divorced. Right. It definitely was her choice. Yeah. And that, that, that's just devastating when your partner comes to you and says, I'm done. Yeah. I'm out of here. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Okay. Now take us back to where you were headed. That's okay. Well, I was ordained and I felt uh, such gratitude and joy. A pattern was developing where spirit was leading me into a spirit a guided life. When I attended the next retreat in October, Spirit now told me to ask Padre Paul if I could help him in any way with celebrating life. Since I lived in the Chicago area, Padre said I could help him with the setup and breakdown of each healing service. I could also assist with catching. When Padre Ron found out I could play the piano, he asked me to play at his services at a beautiful chapel in Lake Forest. Because I was ordained, Ron had me stand in front of the chapel laying hands on the people as they came up while he prayed from the stage. I felt so blessed to be helping Padre Ron and Padre Paul at another retreat, I felt my pain and anger begin to ease even further as Ron read meaningful passages from the Bible. Jeremiah 29:11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a future and a hope. Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Isaiah 41.10, don't be discouraged, 
for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. Now, this is not from the Bible, but these words really helped me also. Ron said, forgiveness is not condoning one's bad behavior. Now, in my room at home on my altar, I have pictures of Mother Mary and various saints. I have a statue of Archangel Michael and the crucifix with Jesus handing us the Holy Spirit from his cross. Written down on a paper, I said to God, please take away the sting out of my pain. I read this daily after anointing myself with Ron's rose oil. On so, my so, 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 Frank, just mm-hmm. to be clear for everyone, you are simultaneously, while you're having these amazing experiences, being ordained and healings, you are also in grief and your heart is broken. Yes, and you're yes. on these parallel paths. At the same time, miracles are happening in your life, you're still in pain. That is true. That is true. Now, on my altar, I also have a mug which says, expect a miracle. Now, the miracle was not that my marriage could be saved, but that I had found God again. Hmm. After about five years, Pandora and I could have conversation and actually become friends. Pandora passed away from cancer in 2015. On her last day in hospice, I spent the night alone with her and was glad I could pray on her for a peaceful transition. So it was a beautiful thing to come to terms with the divorce, and I felt I felt it was okay. Hmm. That's what I got from there. But it, but it took you almost oh, to get my- there. Oh, my goodness. Yes, a long time. That's one of the messages about the unwanted harvest. You don't just come to peace with it overnight. I mean, some people do. Miracles happen that way. And, you know, Virginia and I had, uh, she, she would often say this, and I would echo it, miracles are happening even now. No matter how dark, no matter how painful, no matter what losses we're experiencing, if we can open to that miracles are happening even now and just be with that, not knowing what they are sometimes and maybe not knowing what they are for years. But then in your case, there was profound healing and peace that you ultimately came to in resolution. Right. Absolutely. And of course I, give so much credit to celebrating life because spirit led me there and my healing happened at celebrating life Mm -hmm. and it's still happening because uh, my second unwanted harvest is that revisit is is that i'm starting to get such pains in my legs in my feet the numbness the balance that i have so what happened was i was living in a two flat i lived upstairs and my daughter and her family downstairs. As my balance issues became more severe, I fell several times, which alarmed my daughter and son-in-law. After a few visits to the ER, my daughters told me they didn't want me to live by myself anymore. So I actually moved into each of my daughter's house. I have a room to myself at each house. Now I started having shooting pains in my legs and the bottom of my feet. My hands are becoming stiffer and achy. What makes me feel the saddest is I cannot play the piano anymore. But I do but I do feel useful because I can take care of my I I make sure my twin grandsons get on and off their school bus. I then watch them until my daughter gets home from work. When I'm at my other daughter's house on the weekends, I can be with my other two grandsons. I watch them usually on Saturday nights when my daughter and daughter, uh, son-in-law go out. Being of service to my family gives me such joy as it did helping Padre Paul. 
I do feel bad, though, since I cannot attend all of the CLM, CML's retreats, and of course not being able to help Padre like the old days. I still have my prayer life, and I have attended every retreat in August since I do not have to take a plane, which is almost quite impossible for me. Mm. Now, the August retreat in 2019 was filled with great energy, as always. Another a miracle took place at the St. Therese Retreat Center. Padre was having a healing service one night. Because of my disease, I do get very tired at night, so I decided to go to my room. As I passed Bishop Dana on my way out, he said to me, something is going to happen tonight. I was so tired, I didn't know if he said anything to me. When I asked him the next day, he said to me, yes, I did say that to you. So what happened the night before is when I got to my room, I just fell on the bed and fell asleep, even with my clothes on. I woke up in a few hours, and I heard so clearly St. Therese speaking to me. She said, you must never stop telling God how much you love him. Tell him as often as you can. So I began praying, God, I love you. God, I love you, until I fell asleep. When I, w- when I woke up, my room was filled with the sense with sense I'm sorry, the scent of roses. As this disease progresses, I say these affirmations each night. I love God. God loves me. I love Jesus. Jesus loves me. I love the Blessed Mother. The Blessed Mother loves me. These are simple but so powerful. At night now, I often hear spirits saying to me, You are not your body. You are not your body. And I remembered Ron saying this at one of his retreats. I am an individualized reflection of the Holy Spirit. Coming to terms with the unwanted harvest has been a lifelong journey. One of my favorite Ron Ross prayers begins like this. Again, these are affirmations. And Ron always thought affirmations had so much power in them. So I usually do say them quite loud. I am a spirit. I have a soul. And I live in a physical body. My spirit is the candle of the Lord. God, my father, mother, is guiding me into all the truth through my spirit. I am a child of God. Thank you. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, there's much I want to react to and respond to there, but I I actually want to bring Barb in and her journey through multiple unwanted harvests and then begin to pull together some of the, what we have found on these journeys. So Barb, are you ready to share your unwanted harvest? I am. I am, Rick. I am. Thank you. So I'm going to talk about something that Rick and Frank and I talked about that I felt at first was quite trivial, but they convinced me that it was an unwanted harvest that led to more insights. So my cat, Casey the Wonder Cat, has been my companion for 13 years. I live alone. Casey is the constant in my life, always there, through thick and thin, traveling with me. And in the first week of December, Casey developed a life-threatening illness. Now, Casey's still alive, in case any of you are wondering. He's not quite himself, but he's doing okay. But at that time, my grief and anger at God for taking yet another companion from me was huge. God had taken my husband from me. God had ended a previous marriage. And God was once again going to leave me alone. I wasn't done with God. Why would I want a relationship with someone who let this happen over and over? So I sat in darkness for a week. I was done with God. I was, I wouldn't call it the dark night of the soul because 
That implies a wanting to be with God. I don't want to have anything to do with the divine. I reached out to my friends, my family. They knew I was in a very bad place. After about a week and a half, my daughter and her cat came to live with me because if Casey died, she didn't want me to be there alone. Friends rallied around me. I talked with my spiritual advisors. Many of you I called up. You all told me the same thing. This was because I had a deep well of grief and anger. This was surprising to me. I thought I had let go of this grief and anger. I forgot I, I thought I had forgiven the transgressions. I'd been to Brazil at least 10 times. I was active in CLM. I was ordained. I was active in oneness. I'd been to India twice. I thought I was in a very good spiritual place. I was very proud. And my spiritual companions told me to sit with it. And I thought, what the heck does that mean? Sit with it. How do you do that? But I did. After the first week, interest, and I can recommend this to some of you going through this, I resumed my morning meditations and devotionals. Not because I wanted to connect with God, but it was part of my morning routine, like making a cup of tea, having a piece of toast, sitting in front of my altars, reading Jesus Calling. And so I went through the motions. I was still telling God how I was done with him. And I did the other spiritual rituals, Christmas time. So I did the CLM services. I did some oneness rituals. I bargained with God. I was so angry. And then... Something interesting happened. I woke up early on Christmas morning, and the divine spoke to me. Now, let me be clear. I do not see or hear energy. I don't have entities speaking to me. Well, there was the one incident with the tribal war masks that I brought back from Africa, but that's a whole different story for another time. But that morning, the presence spoke to me. I wrote the words in an email and sent it off to Padre. I'm going to read it to you because I think it might have some insights. This is what the presence said to me. All of your life, you have used people and animals as a substitute for my presence. When they leave, you feel empty and alone. When Casey became ill, rather than realize that I am the presence, you turned away from me in grief and anger because you thought that the presence was going to leave you alone again. I want you to know that your beloved cat is merely a conduit for my presence, which is always with you, filling your home, every room, and your life. Whenever Casey dies, he will not take the presence with him. Please don't make that mistake again. You will miss his cat energy, but you will always have the presence. When I opened my eyes, the color, the colors were brighter and, and I was calm. I felt comforting. And so I sat with it some more. Casey got better. He got worse. He got better. I sat with the grief and anger. I saw where and who I had failed to forgive. I saw my own self-righteousness and how it felt good to be right. I realized that hanging on to self-righteousness and, and the failing to forgive was keeping me from stepping into, into a different life. But gosh, it did feel good to be righteous. So I sat so, with can, can I, can, Yeah, can I just come back to that? Because you and I talked a number of times during this part of your journey, and, and I want to touch on a few pieces. One is right now you're talking about, are you talking about your first, your first marriage and your divorce? Yes. Okay. Yes, because the loss of that marriage. It, right. Because, again, like Frank, your, your husband left you. And you judged him, and you judged the person he left you for, and that's what you were holding on to then. And I can tell you, I had the same experience. In my first divorce, my first, my only divorce, my first marriage, when my wife left me for somebody else. And boy, it does feel good to judge. 
but it doesn't work for your happiness. And it didn't work for mine. Well, and I, I am I'm getting to that, Rick. I'm I'm coming to that place, but at this but that's time, that's why I wanted you on this call because you're not there yet. Okay, I'm not there <laughs> you yet. You haven't got that and, tied and, up with a bow. <laughs> and the and the truth the truth of it is, I, I'm still not sure because it feels good to be right. It feels good to be the one that was wronged. Self righteousness is its own kind of drug, and failing to forgive was keeping me from stepping into a different life but in all these we have family activities we have grandchildren together and and i'm still not wanting to forgive and this this whole unwanted harvest brought this to me and so i'm i'm sitting with it but i still feel broken and here's here's the thing that i want to say to everyone i feel broken but there's a crack in everyone and it's how the light gets in. And that's from the modern prophet Leonard Cohen, as he so eloquently said. So I have continued to meditate, say my devotional prayers every day. I know the presence is there. But where am I now? Well, here's, here's where I'm sitting with this. So I look back on my life. And I realize how much holding on to resentments from past events and relationships blocks my peace in the present and might even hinder my growth in the future because, after all, it's crazy to think that if you drink poison, somebody else is going to die. Forgiveness is the key to my freedom. And I have set the sacred intention to let go and to forgive and to be free from the burdens I carry. And I forgive myself for my harshness and my self-righteousness. What I see now and that I want other people to know is that my separate self is the major problem here. My false self gets in the way of my true self. But at this point, the path of descent seems to be where I need to go for transformation to my true self. Struggle, failure, relapse, the woundedness are my teachers right now, not the ideas of the doctrines that my intellect and my third chakra like. The, this duality of separate self or false self and true self is what's preventing resolution of the anger and preventing true forgiveness. I am still sitting with it. I am facing my anger and my self-righteousness. I'm within myself and within the presence. I see this unwanted harvest as an indicator to me where I need to do my walk, where I need, what I need to work on. I haven't got there yet. I'm still sitting with it. But, and here's another thing that I love, that the words of another modern Prophet, Mick Jagger, you can't always get what you want, but if you try sometimes, you just might find that you get what you need. And right now, I, I feel like I'm getting what I need, but I'm still on the path. I'm still sitting with it. I still haven't resolved how to forgive because that self-righteousness is like a drug and it feels, it feels pretty good at some time. So that's that's where I am now. I'm still in the middle of it. Um, every day I do my devotionals. I do my meditation. I do some of. I do the oneness rituals. I participate in the CLM rituals. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. My cat is still alive. I've come to terms with the fact that he might live another week. He might live another month. He might live another six months. I realize I won't be alone when he dies. I'll be, I'll, like the presence said, I'm going to miss his cat energy. But I see now that the presence has not left. Mm -hmm. Well, there's so much in, in what you shared, Barb. I want, I want to pick up on a couple of pieces. One is when you said, you know, I, I really got upset because my, my cat 
was dying. And that's trivial. And I, when you and I talked, I said, it is not trivial. In fact, the very last birthday card I gave Virginia in May, a month before she died, and Virginia was devoted to animals, absolutely devoted to animals. It was her passion. And it's a quote on the front that says, until one has loved an animal, a part of the soul remains unawakened. There is something about our connection with animals that so deeply touches us. And when they leave us is so painful. I mean, if you want to just get a sense of what it's like to be loved by an animal as opposed to your partner. I I love this one. It's the best thing I've ever heard about it. It's suppose by accident you, you, lock your dog in the trunk and drive around for 20 minutes and you realize, and you, oh my gosh, and you go and you open the trunk. How's your dog going to greet you? They're going to be happy to see you. They're wagging their tail and they just want to lick your face. Suppose you accidentally lock your spouse in the trunk and drive around for 20 minutes and then open it up. How do you think your spouse is going to greet you? You know, there's something about it's different being loved by a dog. Just saying it's unconditional love. Dana always talks about how it's a path to God and God's love and a reminder of that path. And I agree with that. And so I and I don't so I don't want to trivialize anything about loving an animal and losing that love. In fact, I want to share something that happened at the last CLM retreat in November. Juliet Tanzi's husband, and I have permission to share this story, her, her husband, Scott, approached me at some point during the retreat, and he had tears in his eyes, and he said, can I ask you something? I said, yes, what's that? He said, my dog, Neo, is dying and will die sometime soon. Do you think it would be okay if I asked and prayed to Virginia to come and meet him? It was his deepest soul desire in that moment to know that that's what would happen to his beloved dog. And I started to cry because he had no idea that Virginia had had that experience herself, that the animal she most loved in this lifetime, his name was Gandalf, was a dog, and he was dying. And she was so bereft. And back then, and still now, some of you are familiar with Master Chang, who is a a Bunpo monk who, the best of my knowledge, has not been in a body in 4,000 years and has been channeled by several people. One of them is one of our friends. And, And Master Chang did something very unusual. During a channeling session that Virginia was not at, he said, tell Virginia I want a session with her. And so Virginia had a private session with Master Chang channeled in, and he said, I'm here to tell you I will accompany Gandalf through the realms. Hmm. And she was in tears and so, so grateful. And so when Scott asked, do you think I could ask Virginia to come take my Neo through the realms? I was so clear she would come. And that's exactly what she did for Dolphin. When Dolphin died in my arms, I was praying for her to come. And like you, I don't see things often. It's not been one of my spiritual gifts. I saw Virginia swoop in in this beautiful angelic presence, translucent, white, big and just scoop up dolphin in her arms it is so profound a transition it is nothing to be called trivial so that's the first thing i want to share and the second is when you were saying that you were angry at god and you and i talked about that and you couldn't feel God. You didn't want to feel God. You were, you were done with God for that window of time. And you're still working your way back from that. 
And I shared something with you that Virginia kept very private. But I felt it was important to share it with you. And after I shared it with you, you found it helpful. So I'm sharing it with our community. Virginia was diagnosed with multiple myeloma in October of 2020. And she went into an intense period of chemotherapy. And it took her to the edge of death. And she walked that path with such grace and such courage for four months. And yet during time, she privately shared with me, she could not feel God. So she walked that path without a connection to God that she could feel. And what you said to me was, wow, that could happen to Virginia. And I guess it's okay that it's happening to me. And that's really the reason I want to share that with our community. Yes, it happened to Virginia. And yes, she had to walk those four very challenging months not feeling God. Eventually she found her way, or God found the, his, her way. But that was part of the journey. That was a deep part of the journey. And, and so I want anyone who's on this journey to feel that, to know that. It's okay if in the depths of this you can't feel God, however you understand God the presence, whatever that term is. I loved how Liza started with such a multicultural way of embracing the divine, and that's how we need to think about it. Everyone has their own way to connect with whatever this is that we hold most high and ultimate. And so that was so important to just share with everyone on this call. Yes, it can happen to Virginia, and it can happen to all of us. And I want to honor you for staying the course, using your tools, but you're not done. You're not out of the woods. You're not like, oh, I've arrived. You know, we all wish we were feeling like Karen feels in her wheelchair. Actually, I'm not sure we all wish we feel like Karen in her wheelchair, but the peace she feels, the, the happiness she feels, this journey is not like, one and done and you're there there's a lot more to it so is there more you want to share Barb about your your journey no I, I don't think so I just that it's it's still going on and the I know that the lack of forgiveness is holding me back from progressing in my life but somehow there's something blocking me being able to, to do the forgiveness. And I, I just mean, I didn't know what it meant to sit with these feelings, the anger, the grief. I didn't know what it meant to sit with those. But And maybe some of the people listening don't know either. But when the feeling comes, I take a deep breath, I sit, I focus on it. I don't tell myself a story about why I have it or what it's about or what they did or what I did. I just sit and focus on the feeling and it does eventually dissipate. I don't know where it goes. It goes somewhere. But that's what I've been doing. Right now I'm at the beach in Texas for a month I'm looking at the ocean, which as as some of you know is very healing for me. And... I'll continue to sit here and look at the ocean and do my morning prayers. I'm reading uh, Teresa of Avila, the, the Interior Castle. I can recommend, Liza, you said the name, Mirabai Star Mirabai has Star. a wonderful translation. Yeah. Yep, she has a wonderful translation, if any of you are interested in that. So I'm, I'm reading that. I'm doing an online course from Richard Rohr's group. Just things I hope that the light gets in and we're all broken so so the unwanted harvest for me has shown me where i'm broken thought i healed all that stuff thought i dug it out but nope it's still there so so i'm still on the path just like a lot of yeah. other people 
And, and, and something else that you said that, that I think is important for everyone else's path is that when Casey got sick, you're having your own in-the-moment reaction to that. And you weren't consciously aware that it was being informed by and fueled by previous unwanted harvests until the people you were talking to start saying, you know, or I'm giving you some feedback here because you talked about the divorce from your first husband when he left you for somebody else and this, the searing pain of that. And then you didn't talk about, you then met your second husband who became, you recognized your soulmate. You had this beautiful, loving marriage and, and relationship with him. And he then went off to war and he was in Iraq for a year as a soldier. And you were worried for his life every day. And I'm not sure how many people on this call know this, but he survived his year in Iraq and he was coming home to you and he was in Hawaii and he died in a scuba accident. And you lost your love again. That's part of your journey of unwanted harvests. And, and every time we have a new loss, like about Casey, it gives us a chance to revisit these older losses and to redo the work and to take it. And the way Virginia and I would talk about this is it's not you're back in the same place. It's the turning of a spiral. You are evolving. You are growing in your spiritual path and your development, your soul's journey. And you're back to that same place. I thought I did this work before. I thought I was done with this. No, but you're back there to do it again from a different place and a different consciousness as part of your journey. And that's true for all of us. And, and that's, that's absolutely true. The grief that I felt when John first died in 2006 is very different. I mean, the, I'm the one who doesn't see things, but John has come to me many, many times. He's taken me on many trips in my dreams to other worlds. When my granddaughter was not yet born, he brought her to me and introduced me to her in a dream, and she's the soul of my grandmother. And I mean, I've had many, many contacts with John. You're right. He is my soulmate. We are two halves of the same soul. And I have a, a deep a deep understanding of why that why that death happened. Not that I don't grieve him, but I have a deep understanding of of what that was about, which is a, different from the divorce, which I'm still pretty angry about. Yeah. <laughs> still pretty unhappy at seeing that couple at the family. <laughs> I totally get that. But I'm getting there. So, so let me add a few more comments before we move into a healing prayer to bring this for everyone on the call to bring this to a close. The first is picking up on what you said about your divorce from the first your first husband and, and him leaving you and seeing that couple now. And I had that experience. And there was a time I was going through it and somebody I knew who was psychic was very early on in my spiritual journey. And, and I, I literally would roll my eyes when I heard someone was a psychic, but she, she looked at me as a friend and said, you know, you, and I'll use the word, the name I use for her in the book, Marsha and Nancy got together before this life and decided to do the dance this way. And I gave her a series of profanities about why that was not true. I would never do this. She betrayed me. She broke our vows, yada, yada, okay? I've been on a long journey since then. And I want to give a shout out to our, our dear Yoko's husband, Rick. Yoko's one of the students in our, in our education program. And at the November retreat this year, I was having lunch with Yoko and Rick. And Rick asked me a question, and he had no idea that in asking me that question, he was giving me a gift of such profundity, because he knew a little bit about my path, not a lot, and he said, so we've had this kind of long spiritual path. Uh, 
What, what's the most important step that you've experienced on that path? And until that time, till that moment, I had always answered, it was when I asked to be baptized by Ron Roth into a spirit-directed life. Because for me, that was, who was so brought up to say, you, you lean in and the world will bend to your will. You make things happen. And I had done that all my life. But to turn that over and say, I truly ask to be baptized into a spirit-directed life, all decisions will be made by spirit going forward in my life. That was until then the most profound moment. But when I was sitting with Yoko and Rick, I got a different answer. It was my divorce. It was the betrayal. Because I had no way to be with that amount of pain. And then the amount of pain it would mean for my children to suffer a divorce. They were young at that time, six and three when I first heard about this, and it was so painful. And the only way I found to be with it was yoga. And it started, I just started practicing yoga, and it became my solve and my salvation. And it started me on a spiritual path. And as I sat with Yoko and Rick, I realized I have no idea how I would have gotten to where I am today with this profound connection to God and spirituality at the center of my life if I hadn't experienced that divorce and that pain. And I realized there really is a high likelihood I would have chosen to experience that in the preparation for this lifetime and in the contracts I was making as I was going to be incarnating into this lifetime. I could see the wisdom of that in a way I never could. And that is such a gift. And I, I you know, as in preparing for this, I was guided to go to a book that I've, I've quoted from, I've referenced, I talk about a lot. I had never actually fully read it, and this time I listened to it. Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. And he survived a concentration camp, three years in a con several concentration camps. And first of all, the suffering he and others in those camps experienced, I felt just was of such a magnitude beyond anything I could experience. And here I am preparing for this teleservice on the unwanted harvest and, and all of the unwanted harvest we're talking about would pale in comparison to what he and others experienced in the concentration camps. But that's not what he says. Here's a quote from him. He says, suffering completely fills the human soul and conscious mind, no matter whether the suffering is great or little. Therefore, the size of human suffering is absolutely relative. So we all have our experience of suffering. And then this is his most profound statement when he says, everything can be taken from a man but one thing, the last of the human freedoms, to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose one's own way. This is before us as we encounter our unwanted harvests. How will we choose to be with each of these in our lives? And there will be multiple of them. And, you know, my, my, both my sons, as Virginia was getting sick and now entered hospice and was dying, they both said the same thing. They said, Dad, I'm so sorry. This is so hard for you. And I, I looked at them and I, each and I said, that's not the right word for it. This is not hard. This is painful. It's not hard to feel pain. It's painful to feel pain. And this is the capacity to feel pain. Some would call it the capacity of suffering, but to me, it's pain. Our earth walk is filled with pain. 
some more than others. Pain is part of what we signed on for here. It's the suffering, the meaning we give to the pain that is optional. If we can be with the pain, be in the flow of the pain, that's what happened now harking back to when my father attempted suicide. And now I'm in that intense week of flying down and getting him out of a psychiatric hospital and, and finding a place for him to live and him getting kicked out of where he was and I have to find another place. And it was just, I had no idea of how to be with it other than to be in prayer, which is exactly what the teleservice with Padre was that week. But I was. And when I just opened in prayer, I, I found myself it wasn't intentional, but I found myself in a flow, in a flow that made things happen that I could never have orchestrated in the course of a week and found him a new place to live and, and moved him and settled him in all in five days. And the great irony in this is he was a passionate atheist and my last day as I'm leaving and I've tears in my eyes as I'm, I've said goodbye to him and the, the woman who led the activity saw me there. It was a Saturday morning and she said, don't worry about him. We're going to love on him. In a few months, he'll have 40 wives. And, and then she said, and every morning we get together, all the staff, and pray at the start of our day. And I burst out laughing that my father would spend the end of his days being cared for, this passionate atheist, by people who pray every day. It could not have been more perfect. I could never have orchestrated it. And that's what this last seven months has been since Virginia got sick and died. It's been a flow. I've had other parts of this journey. I'm, I'm leaving my, my job of 24 years. February 1st that happened. I had to pack up Virginia's things. We did that between Christmas and New Year's. It's been a profound time. And then dolphin. And yet it's all been a flow. And, and just being in it and feeling it and being present and being in a state of non-resistance is all that I can do. And as dolphin had just passed and the vet had just taken him away and I was sitting with our two other dogs Gita and Comfort on the bed in our bedroom and I looked over and we have this picture of a silhouette of Buddha and I realized words from Buddha came to me and I said this is truth as I experienced something in my heart that just opened more because the human heart is meant to grow by breaking. And I was experiencing a new frequency in my heart and I just sat with it and I heard the words, all is impermanence. All is impermanence. And that's what Buddha got so right. So with that, I now want to move into prayer for everyone on this call. And this prayer is inspired. I want to also offer another resource to anyone. It's, it's a book called The Impersonal Life by Joseph Benner. And you can read it, or there's a beautiful version of it on YouTube. There are several versions, but the one read by Brian Scott is my favorite version of The Impersonal Life by Joseph Benner, B-E-N-N-E-R, again read by Brian Scott. And this is a first-person channeling of God speaking to us. And part of what it says is we do not know how to pray because we are one with God. There is no separation between us and God. And so this prayer that has, has, has now come in for each and every one of you. I start with the invocation. I ask each and every one of you to connect with God as you define God, if that's not a word that works for you, however you name or connect with that which is highest and most holy. 
and recognize and experience each of you in oneness with God. And from, through, and manifesting this ever-existent oneness with God. Prayer. Thought in the mind of God. Word in the language of God. Logos in the being of God. Intention in the will of God. Attraction in the frequency of God. Manifestation in the power of God. Co-creation in union with God. For each and every one of you, healing on all levels, frequencies, and dimensions, seen and unseen, known and unknown. Come. Come. Awakening. A flowering of the heart for each and all. Enlightenment for each and all. And a knowing, a deep, deep knowing on every level of your being that you already are and nothing needs to change for you to be in joy because you already are, always have been, and always will be one with God. Amen. 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 Thank you, Frank, and thank you, Barb, and thank you to all of you who joined us for this teleservice. We hope we've been able to help you on your own experiences of your unexpected harvest. God bless you all.